Good morning. And for those of you who don't know who I am, my name is Terry, and uh, my wife and I are members here uh, and have been here for uh, almost a year and a half now. So it's good to be with you this morning and uh, sharing with you. Uh, how many of you or does anyone here know oh, about the principle of proximity in relationship to outreach? The principle of proximity in the relationship to outreach. Does anyone have an idea what that's all about? Well, it's basically this. The principle of proximity is the more contact that you have with the unchurched, the lost, unbelievers, the higher your evangelism passion raises. The stronger your love for the lost grows. And the more opportunities you have to engage unbelievers in spiritual conversations. That's the, that's the principle of proximity. Let me illustrate this for you. A few weeks ago, uh, my wife and I went on a vacation in Florida. And we, went and, and we stayed with our, uh, uh, my brother-in-law and my sister-in-law. And both of them are folks who do not have faith. As a matter of fact, my brother-in-law is really at a place where I think he's against faith. So we spent eight days with them, with their friends, and getting to know them. And then on top of that, uh, I golfed with them three times, or a couple times. But what they do is they have a golf league, and there's th they have four, or three foursomes that meet. And, um, and they go out and they play uh, three times a week. And so I got a chance to golf with them. But one of the things they have, they have so they have to have 12 guys golfing. So one of the days, one of our golfers could not come. So when they have a, 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 a space open, they'll just take someone who comes, walks up, and join us. Well, that day, a guy named Joe came and joined us on the golf course. Joe was a surgeon from Memphis. And so um, he really was a nice guy. I was glad to get to know him a little bit. So on the first hole, he takes his Apple Watch. He says, look, look at this. So on his Apple Watch... It had this stripe across it in dark. And I said, what, what's that mean? He goes, well, that's my doorbell video camera. Someone has taped over my doorbell. So we start playing, and he says, I'm going to call my neighbor. So he calls my neighbor, and he calls his neighbor, and, the, and his neighbor says, ha, there's a moving van by your house. And they're getting stuff out of your house. And so um, I'm thinking, well, then Joe goes up and, it's a birdie on the, on the course. I'm thinking, nothing bothers this guy. This house is being robbed. And so then he goes, uh, he called back his neighbor, and the next hole we're up there, and he goes, you know what? I have been living with this woman for 10 years, and we've been engaged since we were together for two years. But he says, I've never felt good about marrying her. Well, my neighbor said, she is in the house right now taking all her stuff out. He had just come to Florida to go golfing for a week, and then she, and she moved out. And so he gets another birdie. And I'm thinking, this guy, nothing phases him. But you know what happened? By the 18th hole, he says to me, he says, I admire the fact that you've been married for over 40 years. I should have stayed with my first wife. He says, I don't know what life's going to happen to me. And then by the 18th hole, by we got to the clubhouse, I'm giving him some books to read about issues of faith. Was I going looking for something to happen? No. I just happened to be at the right place 
proximity and with people who, have, who are interested. This principle of proximity is just one of the lessons that uh, if you join the organic outreach book discussion that starts on Friday night, you'll learn about. And I'd like to encourage you to consider uh, coming to the organic outreach discussion at the Ashwells on Friday night. And uh, you can sign up, and uh, registration ends by uh, uh, Tuesday. We begin at 6 o'clock at night with dinner. And uh, so if you plan to come, get a book in the office and read the introduction in chapter 1, and we will be there together. But this class will help sharpen your witness, and it will make you more curious to people around you, especially your family and friends. So I encourage you to come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you're a holy God, that you're a God who's worthy of praise and our worship. Father, I pray that this day you will meet us in a special way. Father, I pray that you will, your word will come alive to us, you'll, th- you'll speak uh, through me and to me, and that we will be able to be different people because we looked at your scriptures today. We ask for your blessing now, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, this has been a crazy week. Wouldn't you agree? You think about it. Uh, the coronavirus is scary. Uh, the stock market is really volatile. You think about the fact that the political landscape is really changing. And on top of that, they have a tornado in Tennessee that killed at least 24 people. Crazy week, right? In our world. But for some of us, we also face challenges this week at home. Face the challenge of raising challenging children. Maybe being in an unfulfilling relationship with your spouse. Health issues. I know this morning there's a number of people who are dealing with health issues. And on top of that, financial woes. Crazy week, right? And then for some of us, not only do we have the world that's crazy, our own life and home is crazy, our internal life is messed up too. We have, we have a lack of direction in our life. We have a lot of self-doubts. And we hear these messages that discourage us in our head. And you know what? All these things make us feel overwhelmed and worried. And we try to control them. We try to control all this to have a life that's kind of together, right? How's that working for you? You can be able to control yourself pretty well? If you're like me, probably not. You know, it's, it's kind of like this. I don't know if you have ever done this, but you could see if you had kids or if you're sitting in a bathtub and you have all the rubber toys in front of you. And your goal is you want to put all those rubber toys in the back, Right? And as soon as you get them some in the back and you reach for a new one, what happens? One of those toys in the front escapes and is out there in front of you. You just can't do it. And that's kind of what it is like to try to control our lives when it seems like there's just so much going on. We feel powerless to bring change to our lives. So what do we do? Well, let me tell you the good news is that our passage today is a passage that gives us a hope for the future. This passage will suggest that uh, there's something we can do rather than just be overwhelmed all the time. You know what we can do? We can pray. 
You might be thinking, sure, I know that God has power to change the world. I know all that. But how do I experience that in my life? How do I experience God's power? How do I experience his love? And how do I experience hope in my life? How do I get a new perspective? And let me say this. This can happen, but it's a work of the Spirit. And it only happens from the inside out. If your life is going to be different, it has to be a work of the Holy Spirit. And it has to come from the inside out. It's not a set of programs. It's not a set of systems that you can do to keep you out of trouble. No, it's through prayer and the Holy Spirit. Look at that passage again that we, were, that we read for uh, this morning. If you have your Bibles, Ephesians 3, 14 through 19. And maybe we could put it on the screen again. Could we do that? Put the first scripture reading back on the screen so people can see this. Thank you. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp just how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. To know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. You know, excuse me just for a second here. When is the last time that you prayed a prayer like this? When's the last time you even remotely prayed a prayer like this? You know, many of our prayers are like this. Please help Susie's ankle so she could play in the soccer game tonight. How does that compare with what you just read here in the scriptures? You know, we settle for so much less than what's available to us. You know? It reminds me of a quote from C.S. Lewis. He says this, Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in the slums because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday by the sea. Let me read that again. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what it's meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea. We are far too easily pleased. We can ask God much more than we can ask. I think it's important that we pray for Susie's ankle that she can play soccer. But we can ask for more. And that's what this passage unpacks for us. And the reason we can ask for more as we look at the passage is because we pray to a powerful God. When you pray, you're praying to a powerful God. In verse 14, it says, For this reason I kneel before the Father, 
from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives their name. I pray that out of his glorious riches. Paul is kneeling. Paul is kneeling before the Father. And the fact that he's kneeling, what it, it symbolizes that he's being submissive. It's, he is serious at this point. And he also is adoring the Father. And so why is he kneeling? And he's kneeling because he wants to pray for the Gentiles who have now been incorporated into the body of Christ. And he wants them to experience their full spiritual privileges. And this is something we, if you remember last week, and we've been talking about the Jews and the Gentiles becoming one. Now Paul's saying, because that's true, I want these Gentiles, I want these Christians to realize everything they have as a Christian. In fact, God wants each of us, each Christian, to experience God's spiritual blessings in lavish form. That's what he wants for us. He, Paul kneels before the Father, and he begs the Father for these Christians. When's the last time you knelt before God and prayed for their spiritual well-being. When's the last time you heard about someone praying for you and your spiritual well-being? How, do, how would you think it made you feel if, someone, if you knew someone was begging God for your spiritual well-being? That would feel good, wouldn't it? That's what Paul's doing for us here. And you could do for others. The what we learn about this powerful God is a couple of things. Number one, this God he's praying to is the father of all fathers. If we were to look at the original language here, it's kind of a play on word. He is the father. He is the father of all fathers. The secondly, it says that he is the one whom every other human being comes from. This father he's praying to is the one that every other human being comes from. He's the supreme one. To understand this truth, I want you to do this. Let's stop. I want you to take a breath, a good breath. Inhale. Exhale. You know that? You know what? That breath was granted to you by your heavenly father. The fact that you have another one right now is given to you by God. He is the supreme being. We have a relationship. We're talking to a supreme being here. And then it goes on to say about him, he asks him, please grant my request out of your glorious riches. He's talking to the father of every father, of all the fathers. He's talking to the one who makes life work. And he says, out of your glorious riches. Think about glorious riches for a second. We, we were down, uh, when we went to Florida, we went to Naples. And let me say this about Naples. There is a lot of wealth in Naples, Florida. And there is a lot of wealthy people in Naples, Florida. And you just, some of the homes along the ocean are just incredible. They're huge. They're beautiful. And in these homes, 
Can you think about this? Some of these homes are used just a couple months a year to live in. And not only that, this is probably the second, third, or fourth home of somebody. They could sell one of those homes and give me the money, and I'd be set for the rest of my life. Incredible wealth. They could do all kinds of things. They have the capacity with their wealth to change cities. They have the capacity with their wealth that they could, in fact, fund a ministry for the rest of the life. In fact, they have enough money by selling one of those homes that we could, buy, we could purchase five places to gather and have them up next week. People have a lot of wealth. But you know what's amazing about this? God has even more wealth, has more resources available. He's glorious. So when we go to pray and we think about our circumstances in life, you are praying to a powerful, powerful God. And so when you pray to a powerful God, what do you ask him? Well, you ask for powerful petitions, and that's what Paul does here. He asks for powerful petitions in this passage. Paul asks God to grant him what? To stop smoking? Does Paul ask him to stop looking at pornography? Does God ask him to stop our kids from uh, experimenting with risky activity? No, he asks for far more than that. What he asks for is this. He wants them that God to strengthen them from the inside out. He wants them to be strengthened in the inside. He, he wants these people to want to do the right thing. To want to be slaves of righteousness. That's what he's praying for for them. He says, he could pray for all the things that would make life better, but no, what he's saying is what I want for them is I want them to be a people that they want to do the right thing. They're so in love with God, they want to do the right thing. He makes three specific requests for these people. And in a way that could be helpful for two. The first is this. He prayed that out of his glorious riches, he may, strength, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that, I, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love. He's asking the Father for strength through his spirit in their inner being. That's what he's asking for. For strength in their inner being through the Spirit. He's asking for a work of the Spirit in these people's lives. He's asking for the work to be something that would go deep, that goes down into their inner being. He's asking this, that Christ may dwell in their hearts through faith. For Jesus to take residence in their life. This is the first thing he's asking. He wants the Spirit to do his work, and only the Spirit can change people. And what he wants is this. He wants Jesus to be in your heart. That's what he wants first and all, foremost. And he says he wants you to be grounded and rooted in love. It's like a tree with its roots going deep into the ground. 
into the soil of love. It's like a, he's grounded, like a building with a strong foundation on the soil of love. A Christian is kept through faith. And Christ continues to indwell in our hearts through our faith. And as a result of Christ's dwelling, we experience love. So the first thing he's asking for us is really is this. Is Christ in your heart? Are you experiencing that love? And as the more you have faith, the more he dwells in your heart, the more the love grows in your life. I don't know about you, but I, I can't leave Jesus. He's everything to me. I want to do what's right. I can't walk away. This is because Christ dwells in my heart. And that's where we want to be. Our relationship with Christ is so intimately, we can't even think about him leaving us, or we want to leave him. We're grounded, and we're rooted in his love. Jesus wants to live in your heart. He wants to change you. He wants you to become more like him. That's his first request. The second is this. I pray that being rooted and grounded and established in love, you may have power together with all the Lord's people to grasp how wide, how long, and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that love that surpasses knowledge. This is an awesome request. That you can understand, that you can comprehend, that you can perceive and, exp- and experience the love of Christ. He's praying for strength for us to get how really big this really is. Our life would be so much different if we could grasp the reality that you are loved by God. You are loved by God, and it's a big deal. He cares about what happens with you and about your future. And Paul's saying here, I want you to understand just how wide it is. Wide enough for the whole world or how long from eternity to eternity. How high so the Gentiles and Jews can be one people and how deep that he can handle the problems of sin. He's praying that they, you and I, would understand a love that is actually unknowable. There's no words to describe the love that God has for you. It says there, it surpasses knowledge. And it comes from God himself. Today, do you know God loves you? Are you experiencing God's love for you? 
as Christ dwells in your heart, that love grows. The final request is this. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. That you may be filled with the measure of all the fullness of God. Basically it's this. That you would be made, it would be, you would be made known, or you would be known as a man or woman of God. Does that describe you? Are you a man or woman of God? Is that a goal for your life, to be a man or woman of God? What, God is, what Paul is asking, and what I pray for you, is that you would be rooted and grounded in your faith. That you grasp God's love that surpasses knowledge, and you will experience the fullness of God. You know, a person who's full of God is not normal. A person who is full of God, when you see a person, what happens around him or her is not normal. The way that person prays is not normal. They are connected with God in a way. They know God. They know God's heart and soul. There's a supernatural quality about them. They're fearless, courageous, and full of glory. Do you know people like this? That are full of the fullness of God. Do you want to be a person like this? Do you want? I'm saying this. You can. God, in his glorious riches, wants us all to be in that place. Can you imagine if we were a people full with the fullness of God? We'd be a different people. People would see it. Back to the the, uh, principle of proximity. By the 18th hole, Joe knew I was a different person. And he became a different person just being with me. This is what Paul wants for us. Does he want us to be stuck in a crazy world with all this stuff? You know what I mean? It's like this. The waves. I don't know if you ever think about this. The waves are going. You can't do much about the waves, but you know what you can do? You can steer the ship. It's going to happen. It's all going to be around you. So what we have here, what we've seen so far in this passage is this. We pray to a powerful God. We pray powerful petitions. And finally, we pray for powerful impact. Powerful God, powerful petitions, powerful impact. Look at verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is in work within us. God's capacity to meet people's spiritual needs far exceeds exceeds anything that we can either request or conceive of, of of a way of anticipation. Let me just say that one more one more time. His capacity to meet our needs surpasses anything you can pray about 
and anything you can think about praying about that you haven't articulated. God wants powerful impact in our lives. We can experience that grace daily if we, and that will continue operating in our lives as believers. It's abundantly, it's a power that's made available to each of us. We pray and ask for it. What if we would make it a habit to pray this prayer of Ephesians 3, 14 through 21, for ourselves and for other people we love or care about by name? What if we made that a habit? Just speaking to some of the leaders here, the staff, the small group leaders. You might be a small group leader. You might be a ministry leader. What if you made it a habit that you would pray for the people under your leadership by name, praying this prayer, that they would be rooted and grounded in Christ, they would understand the love of Christ, and they'd be full of God? What if you did that on a regular basis? I think this would be more important for our future than a lot of other things we would do. I think it would change our community and change our level of discipleship. Parents. And we have a lot of parents here. How, how about parent, praying for your children? Not just that they be safe and protected and not get in trouble, but to pray that they be rooted and grounded in love. That Christ would dwell in them that they'd know and experience that love and they grow into the fullness of God, that your children would choose the right thing from the inside, not because we made a bunch of rules for them to keep. Wouldn't that be great? And finally, I fit this category. How about grandparents here? We want to leave a legacy as a grandparent. What if we pray for a spiritual leg legacy in our grandchildren? What if we prayed for our, our grandchildren this prayer on a regular basis? You know, after the first of the year, we started to uh, pray this prayer for our uh, kids and our grandkids. And um, it was shortly after uh, something happened for Joyce with one of our grandkids um, that I wanted her to come and share with you how God answered that prayer. Hello. Well, I love to go visit my children and grandchildren, as you can imagine. And in January, um, I had the opportunity to go to Kansas City and spend some time with my oldest daughter and her family. About the third night that I was there, one of the things that I love to do with my grandkids when I'm with them is put them to bed at night. And I like to bathe them, talk to them, read to them. I do a lot of singing and um, praying with them. And this night was no different. Um, and I was putting to, to uh, bed her five and three-year-old daughters. And the three-year-old escaped from me. So I got up, and I was 
leaving Lucy, the five-year-old, in her bed and walking out the door. And I was almost out the door, and she said, Nana, can I ask you a question? And it was quiet like that when she asked me that. I thought, gosh. I said, sure, Lucy, what's the question? And she said, Nana, are you a Christian? I said, yes, I'm a Christian. And I said, Lucy, are you a Christian? And she went, And I said, Lucy, have you been talking about this at Sunday school? And she said, yes. And I said, well, did you pray with your Sunday school teacher? And she said, no. And I said, would you like to pray and ask Jesus into your heart? And she said, yes. And I said, okay, just a minute. I have to go get your mom. (laughs) So I ran and got her mom, and we came back, and we prayed with Lucy. Now, the backstory of this is her mom, for a time in her life, chose not to follow the Lord. And believe me, we were praying for her for years. But now she is following him. She is bringing her children to church. And now, what joy. What a privilege it was for me to be there. God answers our prayers immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. And I was so blessed. Thank you. Thanks, Joyce. We can have impact by prayer. If you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, if you're a leader. And we need to remember this. We are praying to a powerful God. We can ask him powerful petitions and requests. And we can see powerful impact in our lives around us. As you enter this week, I hope you have a changed perspective than when we started from this morning. I can say this. You're going to have another crazy week because our world is crazy. But remember that God who is greater than the world is in us and he can help us make a difference in this world and we can be people of faith. May others recognize you as a person full of the fullness of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you that you're a a very powerful God. We thank you that from you, everyone else came into existence. Thank you for being so full of resources and so glorious. I pray that each one of us would fall more in love with you, that we would change from the inside out, that in fact, 
we would understand and experience your love more and more. And we thank you for what you're going to do in and through us because you love us. In Christ's name, amen.